Every person has been made to worship. Every person needs to worship. We absolutely have to. It is a requirement. It is a part of our soul. It is like, like drinking water. You can't get away from not doing it. We all have to worship. And now the proper object of that worship is the Lord God Almighty. That's the only proper object of worship. And uh, the reality is, though, sometimes people worship uh, the wrong things because it's a, it's, a, it's a necessary part of our human experience. We want to, we need to, we absolutely have to worship something. The only proper object of that worship is God. And when we're not worshiping God, what happens? We end up worshiping the wrong things. We worship false gods. We worship idols. Uh, we worship things. We worship relationships. We worship ideas like, like politics. We, we get into entertainment and uh, we worship uh, buying things or collecting things. I'm not saying it's wrong to buy or collect things, but we, that can cross over into worship. In fact, I think that's why so many people lose their minds when they don't like a movie because I think we, we've made entertainment an object of worship for us. I think that's why so many people lose their minds over politics. Yes, I understand that there are big issues at stake and our future at stake. I understand that. However, I think we've turned it into an object of worship. When we need to worship the Lord God Almighty. Worshiping Him is good. It, it, it fills us. It changes us. In fact, you guys have seen this quote from Augustine before. Go ahead, Drayton, put it up here if you have it. Do you have it up there? You do not have it. That's right. We had tons of technical difficulties this morning. Who knows what's going on? But St. Augustine, he said that God has no need for ox or cattle or money or anything or even our own worship. He doesn't need anything. God needs nothing. He is self-sufficient. Augustine went on and he said, so therefore, whatever, whatever profit there is to be had from worship, it doesn't profit God, it profits Humanity, it profits us. We get something out of worship. God doesn't need our worship. We get to worship. When we worship Him, we experience a fulfilling relationship with the Lord God Almighty. When I read that quote a couple years ago, it just it continues to blow my mind. God doesn't need our worship. He invites us to worship because He made us to worship. And when we worship, the only one who deserves our worship, the Lord God Almighty, it changes us. We're the ones who benefit because we're in a deeper relationship with Him. Now, like I said, we, we often have wrong objects of worship, but, but sometimes we don't worship God because we kind of forget to. I know when things are going well for me, I tend to think good of myself, and I, I can forget that God you know, calls me to worship Him. I can forget that God is the one who delivered me or gave me something good. Sometimes I just forget. How can we remember to worship God when He has blessed us? How can we remember to worship God when He has helped us out? Is it just spontaneous? It feels like it's spontaneous. Because as we go to Exodus chapter 15, we just saw the Red Sea crash over the top of Egypt's army. All of Pharaoh's armies been obliterated. And then chapter 15, verse 1 starts out this way. It says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. 
This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is His name. He threw Pharaoh's chariots and his army into the sea. The elite of his officers were drowned in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Lord, your right hand is glorious in power. Lord, your right hand shattered the enemy. You overthrew your adversaries by your great majesty. You unleashed your burning wrath. It consumed them like stubble. The water heaped up at the blast from your nostrils. The current stood firm like a dam. The watery depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire will be gratified at their expense. I will draw my sword. My hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. I mean, you know, like reading this as they this is a song that they're singing, right? This doesn't seem like they sang it kind of like a oh man. Yeah, this was rough. <laughs> it wasn't like that at all. It was they're joyful. They're victorious. God stopped our enemies from destroying us. Their focus certainly on the miracle of the pardon of the Red Sea, but man, the main focus I think of this is God used that to destroy our enemies. And he uses some ironic language too. They're saying that uh, you unleashed your burning wrath, which that's a weird metaphor, right? Because they were drowned in the sea. I think drowning victims probably wouldn't say, I, I, was, I was on fire, right? But, but that's what it, but they're saying. They're using this to say, yes, God's justice came and stopped them. The, uh, the, the, the water, verse 8, the water heaped up as a blast from your nostrils. You know, I'd, maybe it's, it's the symbol of how uh, much contempt God has for the Egyptian army. Um, you're, I've like snotted on you, right? Uh, um, also, it's important to note too, in the Old Testament, the, the sea was seen as a place of chaos and demonic activity. And so by the fact that he drowned Egypt's army, in that Red Sea, he's saying, this is what I thought of you. You are just like the demonic forces fighting against my people. You are Satan's representative on earth. Gone. And they're singing this song victoriously. Well, how can that be? All that loss of human life. Well, I, not a perfect metaphor, not a perfect example, but I can remember a number of years ago, I was working for a Christian organization and the boss was just bad. Uh, he was a narcissist. He lied. He played around with the truth. He deceived people. Uh, he would withhold information from one party and then share disinformation with another, another party to turn them against each other. Uh, and uh, it was just awful. And, and it was terrible. And I remember the, the organization was going through some really, really rough times because he created them. And we're going through all this tough stuff, and as we're all trying to navigate it over, he had said to me, hey, Nathan, if, if there's ever like problems, you know, if you could let me know beforehand so I don't get blindsided by them, okay. So there was a problem, which he caused, that I found out about. So I said, all right, I'll do the thing. And, and uh, at this point, he was already saying, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna stay here much longer. I, you know, I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> and, and it finally got to the point, I heard this, this problem that he caused, and I was like, well, he asked me to call him, so I'll call him. I'm like, hey, this, this, this problem happened. This is what's going on. I just want to give you a heads up. And he goes on the other side of the phone. He's like, well, I guess this means I'm just going to have to leave earlier. 
Oh, oh really? Yeah, I'm, I'm done in two weeks. This is it. What? And of course, me being me, I'm like, really? Oh, but, but you have to persevere and you have to spend time and, and like, you don't want to go, right? Like, I was really going like, no, please don't go. Please don't go. Stay. Everyone wants you to stay. How could you leave us? Oh, no. <laughs> I can remember where I was too. I was outside on the phone just trying to contain my excitement. Like, oh man, oh, well, okay. If that's what you think is best, I'll have to follow your leadership. <laughs> And I hung up the phone and I like ran inside. I'm like, Kristen! You know, like so excited. Some of you have had experiences like that, right? Where, where a boss leaves or, or, or a, uh, a neighbor moves out who's just like, just decimated the, the neighborhood. Uh, you felt that experience. There, there's an enemy that's been stopped. God's helped you in a way. And what do you do? You, you're excited. You're very excited. Oh my goodness. And what's the response Israel have? They worship God in song. But how does that happen? How can we remember, like Israel did, to worship God after He's helped us? It just comes spontaneous. It just comes natural, right? Verse 11, Yahweh, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. So, this is so cool. Right? On the one hand, you see God loves His people. And by the way, how do you know if you are one of God's people? How do you know that you belong to God? We know in the New Testament, you belong to God if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you believe He died for your sins and rose again, you belong to God. You are one of God's people. And so on the one hand, he says, God, you are loving. And he also says, uh, the, the, all of the Israel says, you are powerful. I mean, think about how, I mean, we, we are like, yeah, okay, so what's the big deal? Loving and powerful. Let's think about that contrast here real quick, right? Who are some of the most loving people that you can think of? In my brain, here's what comes up. Mr. Rogers, right? I'm like, wow, yeah, Mr. Rogers, so good. Man, so good. Love it. Even after he's gone, they make shows dealing with his stuff, and I'm like, so good, Mr. Rogers. And then uh, Mother Teresa, right? You think of someone who is toiling away and, and working with, in the hardest situation with the worst circumstances, just continually giving herself, right? And then uh, maybe a lot of you thought about your mom, right? Um, yeah, hi, mom. Yes, I thought about you too. <laughs> so, so like these are the most loving people that, that you have. Think about the most loving people that you've experienced life with, right? Now, take Mr. Rogers, loving how powerful is he? You're like, well, in a metaphysical sense, he's really powerful because he had this show and he looked look kids. Okay, 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 okay. Let's talk about power, power, though. Mr. Rogers, let's put Mr. Rogers up against the Russian military force, right? Mr. Rogers, is he going to make it out of this? I know, they haven't done a very good job so far, but still, it's, it's, it's Mr. Rogers. He's not going to make it. They're, I said the babies were going to talk to each other. They just did. <laughs> It's like they're singing to each other. <laughs> so you, ha you have Mother Teresa versus the Chinese military, right? How is she going to do if they've, got, if they've got rocket launchers? Is she going to do good at all? No. 
I mean, I know that your mom is loving and I know that your mom is tough and you love her more than anyone else and that she's also the scariest person that you've ever met, right? But what's she going to do when, when the Rus Russian cruise missile comes for her, right? Like, it, it just, love and power, th those are very strange things. I, I, in fact, I don't know anyone, any of my friends or family members who came out of the military and they said, you know what? The military taught me more than anything else. It taught me how to love. <laughs> I've never, I mean, you know, we need a military, obviously, but, but no one's ever come out saying that. Those things are exclusive, but not in our God. Our God knows how to be loving and all-powerful for those who love Him. And so they worship Him. How can we remember to worship God when He's helped us out like Israel did? Doesn't it just come naturally? Isn't it just, isn't it just spontaneous? Verse 14, Israel continues to sing, when the people hear, they will shudder. Anguish will seize the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be terrified. Trembling will seize the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan will panic. Terror and dread will fall on them. They will be as still as a stone because of your powerful arm until your people pass by, Lord. Until the people whom you purchased pass by. So they're imagining they're going to be traveling towards the promised land and all of these peoples are going to be seeing them going, oh, did you hear about what happened in Egypt? I mean, the excitement here is incredible. They're like, everybody's scared of us. I mean, I think the emotion that they're feeling is just this, this absolute, complete, utter victory. I, I mean, it's kind of like whenever, whatever, whatever your sport is, right? You know, if it's basketball or football or baseball, right? And you're watching it and they make that impossible touchdown, Right. And those of you who get into sports, you can't help but sit there and go, yeah, right, like right in your chair. Or jump out, right, and scare the dog and throw the popcorn everywhere. You know, they throw the last three-pointer and it makes it. They make a goal at the last moment. It's bottom of the ninth. Two outs, bases loaded, two strikes, and they hit a home run. Like, that's the feeling that they feel. You're like, are you kidding me? Ah! Right? And anyone who's not into sports is like, dude, calm down. <laughs> this is not your victory. You did nothing. <laughs> it's the same with them. They did nothing. But that's how strong their God is. That's the feeling they feel. How can we remember to worship God when He helps us? It just comes natural, doesn't it? We just remember to do it. It's just spontaneous. Verse 17, they continue to sing and they say, you will bring them in, His people, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your possession. Lord, you have prepared the place for your dwelling. Lord, your hands have established the sanctuary. The Lord will reign forever and ever. So, Question is, okay, he's, he's going to bring his people to a place and establish them there. What is, is he talking about Mount Sinai? Is he talking about the tabernacle that he has them build later? You know, the tent where they would worship God until Solomon came along and built the temple? Is that what he's talking about? And the answer is yes. Basically, this is a promise. God says, I will be with you always. I will always, always, always be with my people. I think the emotion that they're feeling is fulfilled. I mean, it's kind of, it's almost like, think about the last time you had like a really good meal that like just filled you. 
Like just filled you. I mean, I don't mean like you overstuffed and you ate too much junk and you're like, man, I shouldn't have had that third bowl of cereal. Ah. Which is me because I can't really drink milk without having like tum-tum problems these days because I'm getting old. Uh, but I've discovered I can have almond milk and then cereal. So now it's like after 10 years of not having cereal because I'm like, I can't, I can't have milk. I'm like, oh, I found a new medium, right? I'm not talking about gorging on, on cereal. They're like, oh, all right. No one ever is like, man, I'm so good now that I had five bowls of cereal. No one feels that, right? But I mean, you sit down and you had a good meal. You didn't overstuff yourself. You're not overeating. You could still eat more if you wanted to, but man, you're, you're just good. You know, you go to like Harrington's or Apache Trout Grill and you're just, you've had the, the courses, you've had the soup, you've had the salad, you've had whatever meat you've had, whether it's the, the uh, salmon or, or the shrimp wrapped bacon, bacon wrapped shrimp. No, shrimp wrapped bacon. I had it right the first time, right? And then you just sit there and you're like, man, I could eat more, but I am just full. This is so good. That's the feeling that they have. God, you will always be with us. We always want to be near our loved ones, right? Don't you? I mean, right now, in the first time in my life, my married life, I'm able to sleep in the middle of the bed, right? Without any fear of anyone stealing anything from me or kicking anyone or anyone kicking me, right? I can sleep in the middle of the bed. But the problem is it's because we're now doing shifts with the baby, right? So it's like, okay, you know, so one person's out over here with the baby. So the other person gets sleep and then we switch. And so like, you got the whole bed to yourself, right? And you know what? I hate it. (laughs) I want to be near the person I love. I do. Or it's like, you know, I'll wake up early in the morning and I'm holding the baby because as my mother-in-law said, he's a kusa baby, a Norwegian term for a snuggly baby, meaning I'm going to scream unless you're holding me. And even if you're holding me and I'm not aware you're holding me because you're patting my back, I'm going to scream. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I'm over here, guys, like, oh man, that's tiring. <laughs> Some of the ladies like, oh, so cute. Yeah. Two in the morning. <sighs> right. So I'm not, like there with him like six hours straight. Then I go to work, and it's crazy. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I haven't slept. I'm sleep deprived. And I come home, and I'm like, where's that baby? Right? I'm not about that with other people's babies. I love your babies and everything. They're all cute. But it's like my baby, right? It's like, where's my kid? Oh, my goodness. It's crazy. But you want to be near the people you love. And Israel's now saying, God, Yahweh, you will never leave us again. We know as Christians, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. We know that once you accept Christ, God the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. He is with us. Even if you can't feel Him, He is there. He's never going to leave us. And so they praise Him for that. They praise Him for that proximity. They praise Him for that fulfilling sensation that they have, like the best meal you've ever had, and I am full and I am satisfied. How do we get to praise God like that? How do we remember to praise God when he's helped us. What's really weird, verse 19, something strange happens. So then it says, when Pharaoh's horses with his chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the water of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophet Miriam, well, hold on, wait a minute. Wait, why does it, why does it do that? Isn't that weird? Do you find that weird? Right? We're in the middle of a song and then we go back to narration and it, and, and it jumps back in time. When Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the water of the sea back over them. Okay, but we are, and the Israelites walked through on dry ground. We already saw that, right? Why are we repeating that? 
In the middle of the song, because you see down later, Miriam sings, sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. That's so weird, isn't it? Why is that bit in there? I was struggling with this. Like so much. I'm like, I don't know. Like this doesn't make any sense. Why would they break up the song? And then they're like, by the way, this happened. Yeah, we know. We already read that. And then let's sing some more. Like, I don't, like, what is this? And so I was reading through it and I was like, I don't know. We're just going to, we're just going to run through the text and let the text be what, you know, like whatever. I, I just can't figure out why this is here, right? And sometimes that happens when you have to preach every week. And then I realized something. Oh my gosh, this is cool. What happens here, the song ends in verse 18. The Lord will reign forever and ever. And then Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, Moses being utterly brilliant, probably under the guidance, of, well, certainly under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes you more brilliant. He jumps back in time. He jumps back in time and he says, so verse 19 actually happens before verse 1. It's like, it reiterates what happens. The Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and horsemen went into the sea. The Lord brought the water of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophetess Miriam, remember that's, that's Moses and Aaron's sister, older sister, the prophetess Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women came out following her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. And then, chronologically, comes verse 1. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They sang, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. You see what happened? So, so here, it just seemed at first like, oh, this was all just spontaneous, right? They, they just started singing. No, it wasn't spontaneous. Verse 19 chronologically happens first. Here comes the, ocean, the, the sea. It destroys everyone. And then the prophetess Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand. And then she, bega- she led everyone in song. And then in response, they began to sing. It's kind of like a Chris Nolan movie. If you ever watch those, they're never chronologically in order, ever. Ever. He can't do chrono- chronologically in order. It's like all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, this guy was Bane here at the, the end of Batman Rises or the Dark Knight Rises, right? And then you're like, oh, it wasn't Bane because he goes back to the beginning of the story 20 years prior and shows you the surprise reveal. <gasps> right? That's, that, that's, that's what Moses is doing here, like 3,000 years before Chris Nolan. Um, he jumped back into the beginning because he wanted to show us that for worship to happen, It takes someone to start it. It takes a leader. For us to remember to worship God when he's helped us out, it doesn't just happen. It's not natural. We're just going to walk through and be like, yeah, cool, high five, they're gone. Let's go to the promised land, right? Miriam, and this is the first time she's called a prophetess, she gets a word from the Lord. Prophet means someone who hears the audible voice of God. God speaks to Miriam And then Miriam starts leading the women, and then they all start leading Moses and the entire course of Israel in a spontaneous, Holy Spirit-filled song. In my imagination, it doesn't tell us what God says to Miriam. And don't you love Miriam? I mean, she's like one of the most bold people. When she was a girl, maybe eight years old, probably no more than nine she followed Moses' basket down the Nile River. And then when Pharaoh's daughter took baby Moses in her hands, 
in, in her hands. She, she goes, hey, I know a Hebrew woman who could nurse her for you. <laughs> and then brings Moses back to her own mo- his own mother. Like the boldness of this person. And here they are. God just delivered them. And I don't know exactly what words were spoken. What God said to her. I wonder if the only audible voice of God that Miriam heard was one word. And God said, sing. And they sang. And she led them. How can we remember to worship God when He's helped us out? It's only when someone reminds us to sing. It's only when someone reminds us. It takes someone to take leadership to say, I'm going to sing. I'm going to worship God. And, and it doesn't have to be music, but music is, I mean, obviously, like one of the best and quickest and fastest and most beautiful and glorious ways to start worshiping God. I mean, you can worship God through reading scriptures. You can worship God through, through uh, hearing the word spoken. You can worship God through giving of your time and giving of offerings to various uh, organizations to spread the word of Jesus in fellowship with Christian believers. But oh my goodness, is there anything better than song to get you into the heart of worship to God? I don't think that there is. And that's why I think God told Miriam, sing. And she sings. And she sings and she leads all of Israel in that song. Sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. And then the rest of Israel and Moses sing along. We can remember to worship God after He's helped us. If there's someone to lead us. Uh, years ago, uh, when I was uh, working with youth, we had this, this, one of our volunteers was this huge, like just this like massive person. And, and not that he was physically big, but he had a physically big presence. His name was Cliff Lloyd. And he always perpetually had his arms out like this because he spent decades as an LAPD officer. And he was tough, you know, so like he had all sorts of things over here. So his arms are always like this. He worked out with the, the Chuck Norris total gym on a regular basis. He was in his uh, mid-70s when I knew him. He had this gigantic white handlebar mustache thing going on. I mean, he was just tough, just so tough. And he was one of our youth leaders, right? So, and it was great. Do we, do we have that picture, Drayton, or did, uh, did that not get through? Okay, I had a picture of him. But he was just this tough guy. In fact, like we would take the youth to the beach and he would like come up behind me and try and wrestle me into the, the sand. Cause he was just like, I, like he, and, and he would, he would win. Cause he was tough. I hate to say it. 75 year old beat me up. Now my defense, he did attack me from behind. I wasn't ready, but <laughs> still not too proud of that. <laughs> Don't look at me like that, please. <laughs> so he was this really rough, tough guy. But every so often, I'd be in my office at the church, and Cliff would come by, and he would close the door to my office. Oh, Cliff, you want to talk? What's up? Right? Which is always a little scary, because he is a tough dude. And he would sit down, and he'd look me in the eye, and he would sing a hymn. Like the whole thing, all four verses. I know. Like he'd just look in my eyes, and, and I'm like, what is going on? Right? I don't know. I've never seen this in the movies. Like, what, are, what is happening? I don't know what's going on. And he would sing, and he had a beautiful, he had a beautiful voice. Just this just good baritone voice, and he'd sing. And then he'd just get up and 
leave. <laughs> that was it. He just wanted to come and sing. And I, remember, I, I wasn't the only person in that office he did that to, but, but it was just like so, like, I don't, it was so weird. It was weird. And in retrospect, actually, and by retrospect, I mean like 15 years later now, I realized um, I, should, I, should, I, I knew those songs. I should have sang with him. There was a moment where God the Holy Spirit moved Cliff to come into my office because he knew I was exhausted. He knew I was tired. He knew that I was not worshiping him. And Cliff came and he did an incredibly awkward thing. Which, I mean, think about a tough guy doing something that awkward. And he sang a hymn. And in that moment, I could have joined him, but I didn't because it was too weird. I should have joined him. I absolutely should have joined him. So, if God has helped you out, and he has, we just took the Lord's Supper, he has helped you out in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you ever wonder if God loves you, look at Jesus on the cross. That's the evidence that he does, and he's with you no matter how bad things get here in this side of eternity. But when God's helped you out, the proper response is to, is to worship him. And there are some of you uh, here who may not want to sing songs. Um, you know, maybe you have a bad voice. I don't know. Maybe you feel it's awkward. Maybe you feel it's weird. Try it out. Don't be like me sitting across from Cliff where God is saying, I'm giving you a blessing. And I'm just like, this is weird. I don't want your blessing, Lord. <laughs> we have opportunity to worship God together. Or maybe uh, you've got friends, family members, and there's points where God has helped you out or you're just overwhelmed with the salvation you have in Jesus. And you say, oh, what do I do? Lead people. Lead them. Maybe not as awkwardly as Cliff, but maybe as awkwardly as Cliff. Or, or lead them in prayer. Or have a meal with them and say, hey, well, let's, let's pray before the meal. And instead of just blessing the food, you can say, and thank you, God, for giving Jim his job. Thank you, God, for, for, uh, for Christ Jesus. Right? It, just whatever you feel in your heart to thank God for. Lead others in worship. In fact, last night we were cleaning bottles again for the billionth time in the kitchen. And, uh, and my wife's playlist came on. And it was very interesting. I didn't tell you I was going to share this. I'm sorry. So, so on one hand, there's like Taylor Swift's song. And I'm like, okay, cool, you know, doing this. And then all of a sudden, this other so there's a couple Taylor Swift songs. And then another song comes on. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Because I'm thinking we're listening to Taylor Swift now. And I'm like, this sounds like a worship song. Whatever. And then it was a worship song. And I'm like, oh, 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 this is just a playlist. This isn't an album, right? Because I'm old and we don't do playlists in my brain. And then the, a couple worship songs came on. And then, and then after that, Meatloaf comes on. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening, right? But you can do that. If, I'm sorry, kid. Uh, but, but, but you can do that. You know, with your friends, you're in the car or whatever, you're with a coworker, make a playlist, right? Like, sneak a few worship songs in there. Lead people in worship. We can remember. You can remember to worship God after He's helped you if there's someone to lead us in worship. You either be the leader or you follow. One of the two. doesn't matter. As Augustine said, worship prophets. Man, we need it. When you worship Jesus, people will follow. Miriam, get up here. Let's pray. Father, thank You 
that we can come and we can worship you through fellowship, through the giving and offering of, of tithes and, and through the worship of you through the reading of your scripture and the preaching of your word and through, through the singing of music. Father, you've given us this, this wonderful gift of song so that we can better enter into relationship with you. That's why you have five books in the Bible dedicated as songs in the Psalms. Father, help us to realize that we always have reason to worship you because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know Jesus, that they haven't trusted him as their Lord and Savior, that they will believe that he died on the cross for their sins and rose again, and they will be transformed. They will have their sins forgiven. I pray for us who are your children, who are your people. May we be like Israel and sing. Sing as Miriam led them. Sing because you are good. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.